Oh, it's hilarious, man. You and you guys are so good. <laughs> well, and, you know, actually hearing Farley go off on his tangents. I love that. I do, too. I, do. I have to admit it. You know, that's the only reason I do the show. It's not because I'm trying to do a show. It's because outside of, like, our telephone conversations, I don't get some of these ex explanations. So I just call Jason so I can get smarter. Yeah, yeah. And you put a microphone <laughs> in front of him. I was like, so you might like, as well record yeah. it, right? Like, everybody else might as well enjoy this, too. So I asked Jason, like, I, I'm like, okay, here goes, like, the area Knox is stupid in. <laughs> I need to understand this. Who is like the Cliff Notes version he, of this? He, and he, he just tempts me out of my library with with Balvini. And, well, <laughs> that's right. Uh, and, and, and promises that I'll get to hear myself talk. <laughs> well, who doesn't love that? Come on. Me. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. Um, but if I must hear myself, I better sound good. Um, and so, seriously, it's been kind of the journey of... Uh, developing and shoring up some of my areas I think I'm need some help on it so believe it or not you, you think you're here for Jason you're really here for me here, yeah you you actually you you told, you told me a few weeks ago that this was your your strategy that your strategy was to surround yourself with smart people buy the books that they told you to buy and I just have to say, I am so flattered and just over the moon to have been included in that list. Yeah. Guys, I'm smart people. Yeah. Yeah. Did you I know. tell you that for real? Yeah, you did. Wow. I like, I like a good it. Moment, Somebody, somebody yeah. smart said that. That's a good strategy. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> so do you know why you're here? Did we tell you that? I don't remember if I told uh, you. Well, in the episode that I listened to twice, uh, I heard that it had something to do with me being a, a, a skilled poet and a, a, a good thinker. Yeah, deep thinker, some kind of thinker, some kind of laudable aspect yeah. of, of being a thinker. thinker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh oh, Jason had. Um, you already heard some of this, but Jason had said it, part of what Adam was to do was in order for him to take dominion, he needed to learn how to uh, guard and garden. And one of the things that God did to give him wisdom on how to do that was to be able to garden the Garden of Eve. Yeah, I that, love that. That had. Man, that hit me hard. And so there's this, I'll just go on a little tangent here. So I've been praying for wisdom. And um, and so I've been praying and asking God, Lord, give me wisdom. Because I see right now, that's what the sons of Issachar had. They, they knew what was going on. They knew how to engage it. And that takes wisdom. <laughs> and so I'm talking to Jason. I'm like, so along with asking God for wisdom, the Bible says if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord, right? So let him ask God. So that, that's what I was doing. I was telling Jason that. And Jason, out of nowhere, tells me, well, you better get ready to die. <laughs> he and other pastors say that all the time, and it's really annoying. I don't. And I was like, why? And you, would you tell me? No, I don't. <laughs> He's like, there isn't any wisdom given by God that is not resurrection wisdom. Mm. Now, you have to understand what's going on with me at this time. I am actively seeking after the Lord. Lord, you know, um, I don't have the education you guys have here at the table. I'm struggling to figure out and keep up with what's going on in the world. All these different things are being thrown at us between critical race theory, uh, evolution, culture issues. I mean, everything is we're facing, um, liberalism, postmodernism, um, everything. And I'm just like, Lord, I just I need to understand what's happening. And I need some wisdom on how to engage these topics. And so I'm seeking after the Lord on these things. And I'm I'm expecting some other way to get like, I just want the guy to just open up my head and just drop it in. <laughs> and 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 basically, this is like my Naaman mo Is Naaman? Yeah, I think it was Naaman, right? He's like, I want to be clean. But, you know, he's like, well, go 
dunking over there in the river seven times. I'm like, ain't nah, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we don't have any good rivers back where I'm from. <laughs> right? And he's like, you know, like, if he asked you to do anything else, would you have done it? But th- for me, it was like, ah, I'm good on wisdom, Lord. Like, I'm good. You know, I figured, that you know. That sounds painful. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, when he said it, it hit me so hard that it broke me in a sense because I'm like, you know, um, but you don't ultimately get to serve God's people apart from following the footsteps of Jesus. Right. Death and resurrection. Do you want wisdom? Yeah. You're going to have to die. Right. There, and so. Yeah. Take up your cross it is it, it's saying like, hey, let's go to the gallows together. <laughs> let's go die together. He, he did it again. Thanks. I'm just going to take another drink. So, yeah, yeah. You just tell him what you want to say and then ask him to say it. Is, is that the format of the show? And so, but, so, but I, what are the, we barely talked about it last time when we talked. And I, I felt like we were, um, what you, what you want, man? Oh, yeah, I guess in, the, yeah, in this, in this, on this show, I can make like aleatory noises and yeah. beeps and boops. Hey, can I get a headset? Right there. Oh, boom. Yeah. You know, I called you smart. So I'm just going to say like that was right. <laughs> right Next. in front of you. So. Yeah, uh, I think you have the same definition of smart that my wife has. <laughs> she thinks that smart people should be able to see things that are in front of them. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so speaking of your wife and wives, period, one of the blessings that God has given us to gain wisdom is, if I follow with Jason, I think he's absolutely right with this, is the idea of mining or gardening our wives to be able to gain wisdom on how to rule. So I, I hate that you started talking straight away about the G and G, right? Garden. About the, yeah, about the garden, gardening. Cause I, I knew it would happen. And then my wife and I got in a tiff on the way over here and it was about a poem. <laughs> was so, it about a poem? Yeah, it was about a poem. It's, it's about a, uh, so I, I teach a Spanish three class, which is like very, you know, most of my uh, language classes are conversational. Like I want you to learn to actually speak. Spanish three is like, hey, let's look at literature. So we were translating a bunch of poetry today with with these guys. The last poem we did is one of my favorites. So I tell Kimberly about it. So just, you know, after I said this is one of my favorites, I I even said this makes me think of you. I then had to like do a whole lot of maneuvering (laughs) and and killing myself. Right. Okay. Okay. Because the name of the poem is, I like it when you are silent because it is like you are absent. She didn't appreciate that. I just, I just like feeling like I miss her. That's all. But yeah, she didn't. She didn't dig on that. So I'm not telling my wife that poem. Yeah. So you know. I like it when you are silent. Yeah. That is I, I even used like the, right. the, the, the nice tone of voice. Yeah. Didn't yeah. work. You like went into the Barry White mode. Yeah. I like it when you are silent, baby. Oh man. So like I'm, I'm snorting. So this is bad. Anyway, yeah. and I was like, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Like I, I was being very selfish. I got to fix this before I get over to the studios because they're going to ask me about my marriage. marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, here we are. We we kissed. (laughs) I don't know if everything's fine, but we kissed. So I I have (laughs) down in, in, you and I both have, uh, well, actually all of us, we have very strong women that we were married. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And when I was down in, California, we had a, a pastor's group that met once a month, and I was the only one in the group that didn't believe women uh, should be or could be ordained. And, and yours is the only wife who wasn't a wallflower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and my wife mm. would, she, you know, she, we, she would, she liked to host the lunches at, and, uh, you know, make the meals and, and, uh, um, and, but she would 
from the kitchen, she would start arguing with the pastor's group when they would say something, and she'd be like, you seriously can't believe that, can you? Like, but what about this in the Bible? What about that in the Bible? And like, you know, and she would, and she's making cinnamon rolls <laughs> and like destroying theologically these seminary graduate men. And, and one of them at one point said, I did not expect that. You know what one of them should have said at one point? Stay in the kitchen, woman. The men are talking. <laughs> but they weren't going to. That's weren't for gonna. sure. There's they weren't no going to do that. Right? <laughs> but they, but um, he, he said, you have this. You are married to the spiciest woman I've ever met who is more confident. Well, please tell me he actually said spicy. Spi- yeah. Oh, man. She is a spicy she, woman. She is. Uh, who is more confident talking to a group of men mm-hmm. than any of the women that I... Do you know why that is? Because these men, these these you know pastors like that, they are they are doing feminism to their women. They're forcing them to, to, to yeah. go into yeah. an arena where they're not going to succeed. They're making them play ball with the men, right? They right. make them act like men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, like, they, they, first of all, they don't even get their their the arena they should be in to prosper and be right. awesome at. Yeah, they are then asked to perform on the same level. Hey, listen, we're teammates. A little two-on-two basketball here. Yeah, okay, right. we're right. teammates now, and you you yeah. gotta you gotta hold up you, your end. You guard Shaq. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Come on now, right? And, um, and, but but uh, that's that's the thing is you know um, I mean I, when I, I I'm not somebody that loves to jump into fights and yeah. didn't, and didn't grow up in that sort of house. And when I first got married, uh, the first time I got into a fight with my wife, I thought, "Uh oh, I think we're getting a divorce." Right? Because I hadn't, I didn't know right, how to right. fight. Yeah, and it took me twenty years to learn how to fight well mm. with my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, it. How would you put it? Um, how to have conflict, salutary a, conflict. Yeah, well, conflict that actually leads somewhere, right? Yeah. That leads, mm. um, and uh, uh, that, and because I didn't know that. What it what does it look like to to say being on the same page with you is so important to me? Yeah, right. Us uh, 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 us standing shoulder to shoulder is so important to me that um, I'm going to die to myself and go through the the difficulty of being in conflict to get there. I think this is a, a, an important aspect of of young marriage counseling, and when when. The, the young suitor is is pursuing the young suitee. Like this needs to be part of what you guys are looking at, both both for the bride and the groom, is what is, how do the families handle conflict? Yeah. What is their style of no, rhetoric? Right. Yeah. You, know, you know, and Kimberly and I have certainly, you know, over the years had to learn how to manage this. And we are highly aware of it, have been aware of it from the beginning, and still we react in the way our, our, yeah. our natal families <laughs> taught us to react. All right, so my family was very open. You could say whatever you wanted to anybody, and it was usually just fine. Right, yeah. and then in fact, yeah. and, you know, there's people that smacked each other verbally all the time. Well, our Kimberly's family is much more. I remember you said that five years ago. Right. What you, you know? mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And everything, and you would never dare to say anything. Like, uh, you know, basically, it is what, what you were saying, Jason. If we're saying these things, we must be about to get a divorce. Right. Right. There's yeah. no like, there's no other world in which those things would be said out loud. Yeah. So we came from two very different conflict cultures, it, and even though we knew it from the beginning, yeah. And we knew what we wanted. It's still like we still can't help but re- but react in, in in a wrong way. Either one of us. Yeah. And when this is what we were talking about earlier, in what does it look like to say, okay, I know where we're at, 
and we're moving forward, we're not imposing. You don't say let's impose an ideal of how how marriage conflict is supposed to work. That's not how God works. God says, here's where you are. You're both bad at this. Yeah. What does it look like to take the next step forward together? What is it or towards each other? You know, um, you're uh, Brazilian. Family is Brazilian. Mm-hmm. My wife's family is Irish. Um, we black. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what it is anymore. Know. <laughs> Who knows what that even means? I don't know what it means. But, um, so uh, my wife's family was very similar to yours, right? Everything out in the open. And, and um, then my family's Scottish, mm. right? So taciturn. Yeah, so, you, so you don't say anything emotional. You don't any, any, So um, which is like a, it's it, – there's two ways you can look at it, right? You can look at it as we're both – we you know we we both are bringing um, you know one is right and one is wrong, right? Or you can look at it like ah, oh, God thought that these two metals were the right ones to try and weld, right? That that covenantally speaking, you've got two metals that look like they shouldn't weld. God thought those are two no, metals. I put those together that should be welded. And that's <laughs> and, and the, I just, so I know I, that everybody's supposed to be thinking like that, but that's absolutely. A person, especially a guy talking about leadership or being in a position of authority, he needs to see that very yeah. clearly. Because yeah. in seeing that, he's supposed to be able to say, all right, Lord, how do these two things go together? Because yeah. whatever it is that God has given him to do, just like Adam, he gave him this wife to be able to understand how these two things go together so that he can apply that to the garden garden that he's supposed to be gardening outside of Eve. <laughs> right. 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 So whatever yeah. his work and duty is, it's like, well, here's your here's your secret weapon. Figure out how these two go together. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> and, and the goal is not, but it is not to be right about us in a certain episode or about a certain conflict. It is exactly what you just said. Figure out how to how to be together, how to bring this together, and and not focusing on whether I'm right in a certain conflict or not. Like like that sort of focus is actually a distinctly masculine one. So when we say die to ourselves, it means value your marriage more than you value being a man. Because we you know, whatever it is you're taking into that being a man I would, I would thing, say, I would say don't put those two things in conflict. Sinful. Though that's right, exactly. Don't if they are those, in conflict, though, what you need right. to realize is my idea of being a man is off. That's right. Yeah, that's because right. That, that's right. And so help work me through this because I I need some and maybe this is my modern evangelical way of thinking of things. Who wants three points and the whole document laid out so I can just follow the steps and not have to think <laughs> about it? I get that I have that problem. Yeah. What are some principles, what are some things that you believe that God intended Adam to learn about Eve that was to help him take, I mean, no matter what the case is with our situations right now, when I look at what was facing Adam, all he had was a garden. I have New York, (laughs) California, all over Africa, Egypt. I I got all kinds of places that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I can look at you guys are going to be too much for each oh, other. Man, yeah. um, uh, I have all kinds of places to look at and see dominion absolutely in progress one way or another. Adam had a garden. Yeah. And the, the task he had was far more daunting. I think it felt, it could feel far more daunting than I think what we can actually feel in that way, because praise God, things have progressed. Some people understand what dominion looks like, but I still think that we are missing a lot 
as it relates to our leadership in the world, as it relates to, uh, and that's our politicians, our elders, um, dads. I have to, my, the relationship that I'm seeing with my wife that I need to cultivate and garden, I'm supposed to take that simultaneously and then reinstill that education and that wisdom to my children. <laughs> okay. So this yeah. is happening in real time, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> and so and I, I just, those principles, I want to work through some principles and some of the things. I'm not that, sure that principles are the thing to work through. I think, I think principles are actually kind of what are bogging us down. I mean, the virtue of principles is that they, you know, they're handy, like speed thinking yeah, sort of, yeah. but there's actually even there's, there are ideas that are even more fundamental than that. Like, you know, you, you guys have talked a good bit about, about symbolism an allegory. You know, mm. I, I would say that one of the things we needed to be thinking about, like Adam's task was daunting because really the first few steps had just been taken. Has there been more progress since then? Well, yeah, sure. But a lot of the nature of a lot of the, a lot of the progress has been twisted. In some ways, what we have before us is more daunting. Mm. Certainly we're post fall. Mm. And I, I think what we really mm. need to be thinking about is ontology and teleology. Yeah. Basically, we need to ask ourselves, what are men for? What are women for? We need to ask ourselves questions that make Dorothy Sayers' book title, Are Women Human, not sound dumb, <laughs> right? Like these are the things we need to think about. Like what is a woman for? And if we ask ourselves, what, what was Eve for? What are women for? What is my wife for? And then when we run into some issue where we think, okay, I need a principle to help me get through this. And very often that is the thing to do, right? We don't want a process. We want a principle. Yes, I see that. <laughs> but sometimes the question is, the, 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 the quandary is, is answered much more simply when you just ask, is, is, are women for this? Are, are men for this? Are humans for this? And very often the answer is no. It's like, okay, well, we've got to do something else. Like this is not well, an acceptable. Okay, let's take an example. You, you have, have a poem that you wrote about your wife being, I'm sorry, Jason. Was it? Well, no, did, have you listened through all of them or just the last one? Just the last Just one. Just the last Just one. The one he was mentioned. That's why no, we yeah. did this. Well, yeah. Because we that's we actually talked about that that we don't that because we don't dig into the metaphysical questions. Yeah. What is this? What what is this creature I'm dealing with for? We can't actually answer the ethical questions. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, so but, but I want to take this and, and and this is me being super practical and you guys smack me around with this if you want to like you just did, Joffrey. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in the conversation that you're having with your wife after you told her this is my favorite poem about you and really wasn't very I didn't say that okay <laughs> I just said I liked the poem it reminds me of you yeah okay uh, still bad form but <laughs> <laughs> I admit it I admit it but, but, but in that moment when let's say that you uh, how are you applying like what is one more she for in that situation particularly like you know as you're thinking through this like I just said this I probably didn't say it the way I probably yeah, I, did, I didn't consider my wife's frame well enough. But what the the question I was asking myself, and why do I like this so much, and why do I want to share it, is I was thinking about what my marriage was for, right? And so the, the reason I like the poem is that it's it's about being together, right? And how, what the silence does when we're together. Mm. And you know, the reason I, I thought of Kimberly and I thought it might be amusing, although I delivered it very badly, uh, forgive me, baby, <laughs> uh, was. That, you know, we have this longstanding thing of like, when we first got married, we quickly realized Joffrey thought that being in the living room at the same time was pure heaven. I'm reading a book. She's knitting. Like, we're just, we're together and this is great. Mm. Right? And like, for her, they're not, like, we're not actually together. We're, just, we're being, we're, we're not talking. We're, we're not talking. Yeah. We're yeah. silent together in the yeah. same room. So I thought I was just nodding at our history a little bit. Like, uh -huh. look, 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 look how much he loves her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. so when you start working through like, uh-oh. I did a boo-boo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Your your first thoughts are like, oh, 
who is she and what is she for? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. Because you know, I, I have to, I, I have to realize that there is something. And in fact, the poem itself actually a couple of times sort of apologizes for. Look, I, I know I shouldn't be thinking this way, but this is the effect it has on me. Okay, um, mm. women like to talk to each other and to others. They 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 use words to preserve relationships and to reinforce relationships. And I, so, I, you know, I asked myself about her, her tele, teleology and her ontology. And then I realized, you know, I'm, I'm disrespecting a feminine mode of being, or at least I haven't qualified it enough yep. to say, look mm. how our, your feminine mode and my masculine mode can fit together nicely, right? So I, I underprepared, there wasn't enough foreplay with that. And so it ended up being badly delivered. It and chafed so, a bit. So then now, and so from that type of thing, even in those, I, I think the way that God works incrementally, incrementally is beautiful. But in that, the incremental wisdom that comes from that, what does that apply to? The incremental wisdom that comes from, from that, thinking I think that's, yeah, psychologically, I, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, um, if, if I'm believing the idea of mining Eve for wisdom, to understand how to. Go. By the way, I can't believe. I don't know if that was the last episode I heard, um, but that that episode, I can't believe that you guys managed to talk so much about women and mining, and no double entendres came out. That's there, how there wasn't we anything are. about yeah. shafts. There wasn't anything about tunnels. There wasn't anything about grottos. I, so I still don't or, know how any of those are even double entendres. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. Dude. Yeah, yeah. This was a sanctified <laughs> conversation. Anyway, to some people. Well, so, <laughs> shaft. Here, here's Sorry. a good example. So, um, you know, working in, uh, you know, working in now business development world. You know, I, um, you, one of the things that I've seen is the men that make really great leaders are the ones uh, that are comfortable enough in their masculinity uh, because they have learned, um, you know, they have a good relationship with their wife that they can, uh, that they've learned to communicate well um, relationally Mm -hmm. to the people that are working for them. Right. Mm. So that they, they've learned how to use words to say, um, Hey, I'm really grateful for you and what you do and this thing that I've noticed that you do in the company. Um, I'm really grateful for that. Right. And expressing that with words, that's and not, mean it. And, and mean it right. Yeah. To, to, um, turn, you know, the, this is where, you know, I, I look back at, at, uh, you know, trying to, um, lead institutions when I was in my late twenties, early thirties, and one of the things that I know that I didn't do well was communicate gratefulness with words, right? I said, well, hey, look at this great thing that what you did caused, thinking that that was um, enough encouragement without ever connecting relationally with somebody. Right. right? That's not something that generally comes natural in fact, I would say that man. that there are a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of, you said in men, I think that actually reveals where you come from. There are a lot of masculine cultures in which that's seen as unmanly. It's, it's even insulting. There are men who, if, if you told them how much you appreciated them, would be insulted. <laughs> right, right. It's, I kind of missed that time era a little bit. <laughs> all these other men are way too soft for me. I want you all but to tell it, me how awesome I am. Okay, just for the record. But it's not, but it's not um, that it, those are not cultures, though, where women are honored well. Generally speaking, yeah, I think that's right. true. Yeah, uh, to because it's it's seen, not a balanced masculinity. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that. Sh- so chauvinism um, is uh, is a strength that refuses to learn the wisdom that uh, 
femininity brings with it, right? Uh, to treat to to look at somebody and treat them um, as a full orbed human and not as a cog in your machine, yeah. Uh, even if it makes the cog, un- even if, even if it makes the person uncomfortable to not be treated like a cog, uh, it's still the right thing to do, right? Yeah. You're not a cog. You're a full forged, full fledged human, and what you did has brought value to the company, to the world, and I and using words to explain that to somebody. We can't let the fact that, you know, there's a whole lot of new age namby pambiness um, yeah. that, you know, is we contrast to how our great grandfathers were make us forget that our grandfathers were often terrible people. <laughs> right. Right. So we, so we have, and you know, I, in my own family, the callousness with which the men in my family treated the women in their family still has a legacy and now every feminist non-christian man hater in my family it's because the men were jerks so would you say that feminism is ultimately a product of men not understanding how um essential women are to their dominion or to dominion itself is that a right way to think about that uh yeah i think well i think uh, you would you would say so feminism is a man problem feminism yes. is a man problem because <laughs> and it doesn't take away the responsibility of, sure. of feminists of right. sinners yeah. no yeah. but right. you're cultivating a certain type of environment that a seed yes, has absolutely. a way to grow up in that it's problematic yeah it it's because um feminism looks at women and say hey i'll treat you valuably when you can act like a man mm. right that um that there's not feminine distinctly feminine glory distinctly feminine value but what can't be denied is that you know before feminism really became a popular as an of the people thing um there were large parts of our culture that only esteemed men yeah so of course humans would say it is best to be a man including because that's where you get your steam from yeah which is which is so chauvinism which is opposite of feminism um was rampant especially in you know victorian the Victorian era. Okay. Our chauvinism was seen as natural. You guys remember when Derek Chauvin, uh, you know, went, went, went down. Okay. That's an actual name. Chauvinism is named for a French guy, <laughs> probably related to Derek Chauvin. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. There was a French guy in the 18, in the, during had, the Napoleonic Wars named had, something Chauvin. That's Continue. amazing. There's another thing that is the French's fault. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. George Floyd is the French's fault. Maybe it's very possible. Ultimately, I think I think we can trace a lot of problems back. That that might be true. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Good point. All right, Jason. Sorry. But the so you have a a really chauvinistic era uh, that that uh, didn't actually believe women were valuable. Didn't treat women with with uh, value. We have to remember that the 1950s were the apogee apex of modernity not christendom yeah right, right. oh interesting yeah people so, give that to christendom but it's not yeah not at all it's so 1950s is the is the working out of that turn mm. of that turn against um the found the foundational that bible has a foundational meaning and uh, looking for other sorts of foundations to in which to build on so postmodernism just says well there weren't any foundations it was all power um, modernism says we can achieve power if we find the right foundation. Um, so <laughs> and it ain't God. <laughs> yeah, and, as long as it's not God, right? Yeah. yeah. So the the 1950s were the the apex of that, um, and and 
you know, the civil rights movement in a lot of ways was Christendom punching back. Right. Um, right. Through, through the black church. That, yeah, with all the, yeah. I mean, with all its problems. With all its problems. It, and it's it like. Was, it was a, it was a final, it was like a final attempt to kick modernism in the groin. Yeah. And that's what the condemnation of it was. It is that It's this. Right? Yeah. For churches that should be churches yeah, yeah. as it died. So, um, I've been looking at the, I, I still, and guys, wherever you want to jump in on this too, I'm still, um, this is again for me seeing where we're at in our culture and looking and saying, okay, need some wisdom here, Lord. Um, and then it's funny. I, I kind of feel like the conversation that God had with Moses where, uh, he's telling Moses, you're going to go back and you're going to deliver my people. <laughs> it's like <laughs> me and what army? And he's like, that thing that's in your hand right there, that staff, that's, what's going to do it. And you're going to go before him. Cause I'm going to send you. And I feel like the conversation has become now, Oh my goodness. How are we going to beat this secular transgender postmodern monster? And it's like, See your wife. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just just yeah. get to work. Just start the work. Right. Well, this and this connects back to what you were talking about, with Adam, and you know, like the 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 dauntingness of the task, right? I mean, there's there's it's there is so much. One of the one of the masculine lessons it took me the longest to learn was just start working. I always worked off of cleverness. I I, I actually mm. had an an idea in my head that if something was difficult to do, I was doing it wrong. Like this was really deeply embedded. Yeah. I had to start work. I was 30 years old when I figured out it wasn't true because I started moonlighting when I wasn't teaching. I was working construction with a friend of mine from New England. And uh, sometimes the solution was just to beat at something for three hours until it fit. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like I really like, like mm. I, this doesn't fit. Like I can do the math. It doesn't fit. And and then we just we just beat on it in the cold until suddenly it works. Why? I don't know. Can you can the can the this guy with all this experience tell me why it works? Nope. <laughs> the only thing his experience told him was if I beat yeah. this thing enough, it'll go. You could have cut it right, but that's okay. Well, that's <laughs> no, see, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, that's what I learned. Yeah. I was sure that that was how to live life, and now uh, I know that no. Sometimes you just start hitting it. Yeah. <laughs> right. That that the that the project that God has given us is actually not really accomplishable in the by us right yeah. we you don't it's it's about the willingness yeah it, you that uh that that we're always working by faith it's just a question of what we're having faith in are mm. we are we saying okay god you've given us a task that's beyond us and i'm going to i'm going to do it by faith jason yeah i have a poem exactly about this Ooh. ask Ooh. david to ask me if I have a poem exactly about this. Hey, man. Ask, ask Joffrey if he's got a poem about this. Hey, I don't know what just happened here, but bro, drop it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Men at Church. This is the first time this has been out there. Oh, all here right. we go. This men is a new poem church. from you? Yep. Okay. Your fathers did not do the work. Be jolly and be brave. You have a task you must not shirk. Be jolly and be brave. Happy shall you be that take and dash, take and dash, Take and dash against the rock. Do not close your eyes. Be jolly, boys, and be brave. But why are we jolly, and for what brave? Jolly for what you go to, brave for what you shall come to. Give thanks, weigh anchor, strap your packs. Clean the spark plugs and turn the key. Yes, kick the tires and light the fires, my jolly brave boys. But why must we be jolly, and why brave? Jolly for the wars and brave enough to come home. Jolly for the assembly and brave for the watch. Merry for meeting and steady for standing. 
Do not close your eyes, you jolly brave boys. Sing another song and pass the ammunition. Praise the Lord and chamber another round, for it is better to be merry than to burn. Do not turn from us, jolly brave boys. Sing for us the songs of Zion. Cry Harry and St. George. But how can we let slip the dogs of St. George in a strange land? But be jolly, boys, and be brave. Blessed be the hour you cinch your belts, happy the hefting of your glasses, and glad the gripping of your hammers. Your fathers would not do the work, but be jolly and be brave. Clear the decks for what we go to and what's to come. Happy shall you be that take and dash, take and dash, take and dash against the rock. Do not close your eyes. <laughs> I told you I had a poem about that. Good stuff. That, 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 and that's exactly it. Is There really is a missing generation in, in the I church. Just Maybe two. It's funny you say that. That's because Not uh, just in the church. I mean, if you think about black culture, doggone. Yeah. How many missing? I mean, yeah. we keep killing them off. Right. Yeah. There's a missing generation below us. And then there's a generation that's missing above us because of faithlessness. Infidelity. It, yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that's the reason that they're grandkids. Yeah, we have us. zombies above us and ghosts below. Yeah. Zombies above us and ghosts below. Yeah, oh. we, have, we got the undead. You know, they're there. Mm-hmm. They're moving yeah. around. The undead. Yeah. And then below us, there are, just, there are, not, right. there, there are not bodies where there should be should bodies. Be bodies, yeah. That's it. So one of my biggest challenges has been watching. I feel like this is a counseling moment for me. But <laughs> I've watched... And my wife and I's culture and family, we can't think of generations from us that have been married, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I was talking about earlier, I'm finding that the wisdom I'm gaining in gardening my wife that I need to impute to my kids <laughs> is happening. Like, boom, 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 boom. All right. Hey, daddy just learned something. Go apologize to your sister. I almost made that exact same mistake, bro. You're wrong. <laughs> like, you know, I'm learning that. But... um or I'm learning too, honey, don't let these hurt things control how you decide to operate in this moment. Don't play a victim. You are not. Get up. Do the work, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get up and be bold. Wipe your tears away. Don't do this. This is the wrong response to the moment. I'm seeing that because there's sins on both sides of this thing, right? But um, since there has been no marital generational blessing over three generations, just like your poem, there is a lot of work that is too part, much work. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I, it I, really is. It it's really too is. much work. And I, I want to speak really specifically as being black in a lot of this because you're trying to find black people, especially in conservative situations, are always trying to find where they belong, <laughs> right? Yeah. They, if yeah, they yeah. don't walk the talking points of the conservative right, then all of a sudden everybody, oh, you too black, right? And then when they are very conservative for the liberals, oh, you you too white, you know, you don't. There's a you can feel disconnected, and then don't put spiritual issues on top of that too, where you're like, where is my when I came out to Moscow, I saw generations of families together. And I'm looking like, what the world is this? Great grandma over there? Grandma over there? And seeing all this wisdom and blessing and stories and all this stuff happening, I'm like, man, that's crazy. This is, this is what your poem is making me think about. Mm. And so I'm looking at all the work and I'm looking at everything. It's like, man, you know, I really wish I had that. And so there was a point where. Um, the work could be like, well, that's just not going to happen because that's a lot of work. You know, <laughs> that's a lot of work. I don't want to be the patriarch in this one. Just let somebody mm-hmm. else come in and do that. And my great grandkids live fine. But there's also the idea of 
the reason I can't do the work is because I'm not connected to anybody who has. That's a lie, though. It is because mm-hmm. you are. Yeah. And it, it's in two directions, too, because you are connected covenantally. Yes. The the um, your people have been doing this since Abel. Come on now. Right. So. So um, when you and, and this is this is one of those uh, things that if if you don't understand uh, the the corporate identity that you mm. receive in your baptism, right? The, the corporate identity that you receive in Christ, um, that, that all of the people that are united to Christ, you're united to them too. Right. Not just in the present, but all throughout history. If you don't understand that, then, um, you're going to be look. You're you're going to be looking for a corporate identity somewhere, uh-huh. right? Because we're created to have one. So you're always looking for one, and that's what a lot of the a lot of, I mean, that's what Marxism preys on. Yes, your people are are looking. They're they're built to look for a corporate identity, right? And you, if in Christ you receive a corporate identity that's multi ethnic, multi racial, racial has lots of. Is all throughout history. Is um, has lots of different languages. You know, um, I remember uh, worshiping at a church in northern Iraq, and in a different language, um, and was preaching there through a translator, and um, they were, and then they started singing a hymn, and I was like. I know this hymn. I mean, they're singing in Arabic. You don't know the language. I don't know the language. I'm like, I know that this is like, this is my music. These are my people. And, and looking around like, Oh yeah, I fit right in. Right. (laughs) Um, And so then you listen and you pick up the, the rhythms and then you just sing along like, okay, no, I know this hymn. I can sing it in English right along with, and um, that these are my people um, that there is a, there's a corporate identity that is real, but it's also throughout history. Right. So, mm. uh, covenantal uh, identity. Coven, there's a, the, 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 when we come to the Lord's supper, when, when we talk about the communion of the saints, right, we, at the supper, we actually have communion with all the saints all throughout history. Right. We're at the table with our congregation and everybody that's gone before us is there having communion with us. Right. We, this mm. is a, um, this, that, that table connects us all throughout time i mean and as a presbyterian i think even into the sacraments of the old covenant right that we're having communion with with the god's people god's people um that the communion of the saints that we confess in our creeds is actually um is is this corporate identity that is so much bigger than anything else can possibly give us um and then you know on top of that you have the spirit of god Amen. Well, I think you're right that uh, that Marxism preys on this, but I, I also think that the American church is particularly vulnerable right. to this for a couple of reasons. Enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, like we we are associated with the political right for a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons. We're mm-hmm. definitely not commies. Right. Um, but, you know, and, and, and that's been, been building over the years. But then also I think it's like straight up like our converts tend to be from more of that side of things as well, which means that they are more likely to be 
individualists. Yeah. To, to a great degree because they think about their lives more, right? Yeah. I, I believe that most people on the left are just, they're just looking for a way to stop existing individually. Yeah. Right? They're just mm. looking for the great statist zen, but whatever. Hegelian zen. <laughs> wow, we, we get pretty deep yeah, on this podcast, huh? Yeah. But yeah, I, so I, I think that, that because we, we, we tend to get individualists converting, they don't take the question seriously, what is it to be part of this ethnos? Yeah. Mm. Right, to be part of God's people. If if you suddenly discovered that all of your ancestors, you know, you're, you're adopted, whatever, you suddenly discovered, oh, uh, I'm Jewish. Everything about me is Jewish. Um and so I'm going to learn how to be Jewish. You would definitely have questions, but you wouldn't question the legitimacy. You're like, how am I going to go about this? I have no idea how to start being Jewish. Uh, and this is really, really hard. And I just don't understand it. But apparently I'm Jewish. Right? Christians don't do that. Mm. They don't, you know, they don't even have the, oh, this looks like a really hard job becoming a Christian, being a part of God's people. We're not even a people to most Christians, yeah. right? Yeah. This, it's not an ethnicity. And the, the, the truth is, this is the meta-ethnicity. Right. We you, got a new Adam. You, yeah. Are you yeah. redefining ethnicity? Yeah, I guess I am, yeah. yeah. An, an ethnos, an ethne, let's let the pastor can start talking about, about that, but yes. But you're defining it as a I, what? Yeah, well, a people, a nation, a people group. We are a people uh, group. And yeah. now we look around this table, and clearly the three of us are from different sub-people groups. Right, but right. we are all from the same meta-people group. We are all God's people, which means we can do crazy things that other people groups wouldn't allow, like your kids can marry my kids. Right, right. right? Yeah, because we're the right. same people. Yeah. Mm. That um, we're, we're, there's all different tribes that have been joined together into one nation of kings and priests. Yeah. Mm. And, and one of the things that, one of the reasons Americans are so vulnerable to it actually goes back to, I don't know how it's going to end up. If the, either the the one that's coming out after this or the one, this that is the one, this yeah, is, yeah. this is post that one. This is post that one. Okay. The, um, when we talked about how in the, uh, the reformation, the, the prince of the nation states in a number of different settings came to the defense of the church in, by the time you get to America, we have, actually gotten to the point where you are born into your citizenship. You choose your religion. Mm. So your citizenship suddenly becomes more mm. definitive of who yes. you are because it's, it's one of the things you're born into, right? It's an, it's an identity issue. Religion is something that you choose to add on to the top of your identity, but it is not fundamental. This is my, I love what you're saying because this is my argument against Baptists. Anyway, go ahead. I love this, but but, it, but I this mean, it, is right. And so, you, if if you are born an American, but you later become a Christian, um, and then your kids are born Americans and later become Christians, and then your kids are born Americans, they're not going to become Christians. <laughs> so <this is> different. <laughs> but the, but what you end up having is your political identity is more fundamental than your spiritual spiritual identity. So becoming a Democrat is, is a change of who you are if you're raised in a Republican household, whereas getting baptized, it doesn't actually affect your fundamental identity. Interesting. In God's economy, it does. Which by the way, I would say is a departure. It's, this is not a moral judgment. I would morally judge it later. It's not a moral judgment. (laughs) It's an observation. There's a departure from how most humans human. 
Yes, 100%. What do you mean? Well, well, most cultures would be absolutely astounded at the change in your identity if you change your religion. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. Whoa, you're not a Muslim anymore. Who are you? In fact, I can Mm. kill you now because you're uh, no longer a part of my people. Right. They would be more astounded at that than the fact that- Yeah, yeah, it's crazy that we, like, that our state is what identifies us the the most. Here's a a good example. So um, down in California where I ministered, we had a lot of immigrant uh, families, first generation, second generation. By the third generation, they're not really immigrants anymore. Um, Right. And, I mean- no, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, but yeah, you're right. Just you're right. So, um, we had uh, a woman who wandered into our church because she thought she was visiting some another thing. Sat down, <laughs> and she um, the and she said it was like I couldn't understand a word anyone was saying. Right, and but I watched the way the kids sitting in the pews were treated by their parents, and I said. I've got to come back next week and figure out what is going on. I've never seen any of that. So she'd grown up in an abusive household in an abusive culture uh, Mm. was a part of a cult that Mm. was uh, abusive. And we came back next week and she said halfway through the sermon, it was like somebody switched it into English. All of a sudden I could understand what was going on. And she just one of those miraculous conversions. Holy spirit. Yeah. Spirit just was like, Mm-hmm. Now you now all of a sudden the Bible is in English and and she she went home she opened up her Bible started reading it she was in an anti trinitarian cult started her reading it at, and she had left it when she was young so she started reading it and so she comes to me the next week and she said did you know that the Trinity is everywhere in this book <laughs> <laughs> and I was like yes yeah. who are you <laughs> like so and and so we start walking through what's going on and then. So okay, she's gonna. She wants. She's like, I need to be baptized. I was like, wonderful. Let's sit down. We'll talk it through. And you know, I get her story and get ready for. We put her baptism on the schedule. She comes into me the Sunday morning of her baptism, and says, Pastor, can I talk to you before the service? And I said, Yeah, sure. So we go back into the church kitchen, and she said, I just want you to know that I told my family I'm getting baptized, and they told me if I get baptized, I'm disinherited. Mm. All right because I'm not a part of the family anymore if I become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, what are we doing? She's like, oh, I just wanted you to know we're still getting baptized. <laughs> like, we're still doing a baptism. Praise God. Right? So we do the baptism, and, um, you know, she's just, she just is this wonderful, joyful, most one of the most evangelistic people you'll ever, you'll ever meet. And, <laughs> and I know that her inheritance is gone. Mm to be a part of God's people. Right. And, um, but you know, for her, she gained the whole world and lost. she's happy. You're yeah, crying. She, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she's, but, but the, her family understood that baptism was, was that kind of change. Well, you're not one of us yes. anymore. Right. And because they were not an American family. They were, uh-huh. uh, and and by, we, the American church have let this happen mm-hmm. by the way. Right. So sh- she ran into that because her family was particularly radical the other way. Right. Right. But, but by and large, we have just let it be nebulous. We let people just, yeah, 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 yeah. Fine. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. Being a Christian is sort of meaningless. Baptism doesn't mean anything. 
And then, yeah. So then, okay, well, yeah, it doesn't matter if you become a Christian or not. Oh, that's nice for you. So yeah. what, so how does that, what, there's a couple of things, but you get do, radical baby. Yeah. But I mean, slow down. <laughs> Cause after now we're going to have a whole new anti-reformation. Burn it all. No, that's a wrong group. Uh, <laughs> that's BLM. Um, what, what are things though that would change subtle things or maybe important subtle things that would change as you go through and say, look at the church. We need to change the, what is happening? People need to understand more deeply what's happening in baptism. Would you say and I, that the ethnos is actually the thing that is being uh, established in covenant relationship? The audience should know that both Jason and I are chomping at the bits to talk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I, can, I can let Jason go because his body was vibrating yeah, more than yeah, mine. It was. I saw <laughs> it. He got. He got red. Yeah. Actually, it's not. You don't solve the problem just by talking about baptism, mm. right? Because it's a, it's, it's, uh, we are dealing with deep level, um, deep level problems with the roots and the dirt uh-huh. and the everything right uh-huh. with the mode of being human theology yeah. is important theology won't solve the problem right because it's it is it's a question about what actually what kind of creature are you even when now baptism i think is a good door into the conversation yep right um to say what kind of creature are you but what kind of creature are you what kind of world is this right this is the disenchantment yeah yeah we we people think they live in a disenchanted world this is what gnosticism yeah. gives you i love what you said uh in a recent episode about uh, how you know we 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 are built in such a way that we cannot see ourselves except through the eyes of others right and you know he was listening yeah i was paying attention yeah I mean, I might have been playing at a double speed, but, you know, I'm still processing. <laughs> I talk slow. Don't enough. worry. You're going to figure out how it feels to get played at double speed when yeah. people listen to this, too. Yeah, so. I, know. <laughs> I know it. Oh, man, people say the weirdest things. Uh, you know, I mean, like, you know, I've had this, this little YouTube channel of mine for years. People feel comfortable saying, like, the oddest things. Anywho, um, the most fundamental unit, I think, you know, level that happens at, I think, because, of course, it ha- you know, and being human is an individual thing, of course, but it, the family mm-hmm. is where our humanness really gets locked in. Can I push on you a little bit? Well, will you let me make my sure, point first? Go ahead. Yeah. So the, the thing would be um, that it's actually at the family that this has to happen. We have to be willing to say, I'm willing to lose my family over this. Being a Christian is, is, is such a big deal and changes things so fundamentally that now we can't talk to the in-laws. Now the in-laws can't stand us. Right. Or, my parents won't talk to me now. Like this is where it has to happen in the family. If it happens in the family, then people will get it. If I just explain to you my theology, nobody's going to get anything. But if people see, oh, being a Christian is so different that cousins fall away from cousins, then it means something. Well, I mean, and so this is inside of theological tradition too. You know, you got uh, Jesus, who's sitting here, and families are turned away from family, father, uh, brother to brother. So I guess as I'm thinking about this, as some of the people who are kind of in the evangelical world, they hear that and it's like, wait a second. Um, if you said theology is important, but theology doesn't solve it, well, then how do I understand then how to fix the problem apart from a theological uh, presentation of how to fix it, even in the family? So let's say look, you look at the family. And if you don't get it there, which I think you're actually thinking about this rightly in a sense, it was like there are governments that are training 
Um, and I want to get to this, come talk about this too, what it means to be black or what it means to be whatever. I want to get to that, but I think this is at the core of it. The family is giving you your identity of who you are. Mm-hmm. And if the family is not doing that, the church is instructing and teaching the family what it is their responsibility and goal is to do as it relates. Uh, fathers, raise your children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Didn't right. say the church was to raise your children up in the fear and admonition and, of the and Lord. And the family can do things wrong, which is also sure. sometimes why the family splits. A son grows up and he converts. And, but, he, and he, he leaves his faithless, faithless family behind, and it's a tragedy. But so the reason, the reason I'm saying this is not theology. Of course, theology is important. Theology is how the church is going to is going to help families right, figure things out and get those principles. It is how I might be able to explain to you why things are happening this way. But the truth is, you know, and we, we we can then get into into a semantic argument about what theology is and where it starts. But the truth is, if we took whatever we had learned and believed that made us come to Jesus, just that would split families. Yep. But instead we conciliate because we know it's not the most important thing. Right? We, you know, we, we, we frame things in such a way as to let the people who are close to us, the people who make us human, stay close. When in, instead of embracing our new humanity and saying, I am of Jesus now, Jesus said that all men are sinners and must come to him. That means, mom, that you're a sinner. That means, cousin Joey, that you're a sinner. Do, do I know what Pelagianism is? No. <laughs> but I know that Jesus said we're all sinners and we must come to him. We must repent. Just saying that, you know, yeah. if you want to call that theology, that's fine. But just saying, yeah. so basically what we're talking about is the behavior. We have enough theology to know to cause that split. And, you know, ideally what happens with that is mom actually says, oh, you're right. You are a new man. I want to come to Jesus. Right? We're not trying to blow the families up. No. But we're not being faithful, and that's the real problem. It's not a theological problem. It's a faithfulness problem. I would say that those two are, shouldn't be put against each other. But, I'm not, I don't want yeah. to put them together, yeah. uh, against each other. I want to prioritize. I want us to see that theology does not translate to faithfulness. But that, faithfulness right. always translates to theology. And, I, and I'm thinking, too, part of what happens in the family is that they don't understand what they're actually doing. Jason, you've really helped me with this. I've, I've grown up in a very charismatic Christian family and environment. And so being hardcore about Jesus wasn't a problem for us with family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but being able to communicate the beauties of the theology yeah. has been hard for us with our families. Right. The, 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 the beauty, and it's because of the metaphysical breakdown of what it is and what it's for. That, that, yeah. again, well, you know, but I, I, think, I think that's because you, know, you guys have grown into those problems. You know, the, the fact is that there's a lot of faithfulness in, in your family. Yeah. And so this, this fundamental anthropological question like are we even people is already answered you all know you're people of god yeah but we don't treat other people who are not necessarily in our tribe necessarily that they like they're people still so that they so here here's a here's i think a practical example though of what because we're because i think when we faithfulness is a word that we all say yeah 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 but i think loyalty Mm. is 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 actually what you're talking about is getting our loyalties lined up properly uh my son uh recently 16 years old and he was skateboarding up to target and he was uh he was listening to a uh thomas sowell book on his <laughs> how old your son again? 16, yeah, 16. Yeah. listen to a thomas sowell book skateboarding up to target and um he he went into target and 
and uh, um, he he said, and they, he he called me right afterwards, and he was like, "Dad, I just realized something." It's like I am what the world hates right now. <laughs> I was like, mm. I was like. White? W- what is it? Well, he, he didn't bring up white. It's just because I don't. I which don't is think. just as well. Yeah, because is whiteness well. is ancillary. We could talk <laughs> yeah. about that too. Yeah. But he he said he said I'm learning how to be a good capitalist. <laughs> I'm refusing to wear a mask. All white supremacy. I'm not vaccinated, and I'm. Uh, he said I'm smiling, or I'm a Christian, and I'm smiling while shopping. Right. He's like all these things. He's like, I'm everything that the world hates. And he was, he was happy about it. He was kind of proud. He was like, he was like, I had, it was like this moment of realization that, um, like, Hey, you've always, like we've, we've talked about, Hey, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what the, what the world says is not important to us. That's not where we get our identity. And the world uh, hated Christ, so he's going to hate us. Like, that's something that we've talked about in our family. And so, and he just had, like, the existential experience of the theology while walking through Target. And he was yep. so excited that he, that he called me um, on his, while skateboarding home. He's like, wow. You know, and so, like, that's what we want. We want our kids to know who, who you are is not something that they get to, that, that they put on you. If you're right? if you're a Christian and you're not being hated, you're being lazy. <laughs> it's, yeah, especially right now. I mean, there's yeah. there are no social benefits to your faith right now, and 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 we want kids that embrace that. That are like, hey, I'm not in it for the social benefits. I'm in it for Jesus. Yeah. Right. Um, and that, that's an ethnic statement. You know, yeah. Right. So I, we 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 you know we, when we look around at human history, we know there are people out there who have been hated. Right. Right. Because that's the kind of people they are. We hate them. Right? Christians right. are the meta ethnicity and Christians should be the ethnicity that everyone else hates until they're part of us. <laughs> and and, we and love the great, them. the good news is everyone can be us. Right. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love it doesn't that matter how me. short you are. I love it. Well, watch it now. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> you know, the, there's, there's 12 pearls, each with a door on the way in every direction. There's no, <laughs> getting in is not hard. And, yeah. is not, yeah. and you know, when you, what you brought up with your son is something that, and this is, I don't know, you guys probably go through this because you guys are Brazilian. Mm. So you go through this. Jason, you got to tell me if you go through this. But one of the things that um, I've been thinking about, and right now the identity, especially being black, is one of those things that's been growing in importance um, yeah. in, in, in culture. Culture, period, but particularly like, um, growing, I can remember all the way back growing up as a kid, the way I dressed that wasn't black. I was like, well, well, what's black? I don't know what this black thing is. I had to watch BET and figure, oh, that's black. Okay, got it, black, got it. And and so I had to come to a completely different identity about myself to be comfortable being black and who I was, right? And, and yeah. it ultimately anchored itself in what you guys are talking about, the ethnos, being in Christ, <laughs> right? right? And being defined by those terms, but... I was thinking about, I was telling, you heard me earlier, I was talking about this with Tom Askell, yeah. uh, talking about my kids. They're growing up here in Moscow, Idaho. The culture is raging on your ethnicity and defining it for you. And so I know my kids are going to get the, the trope, you're not black. Yeah. You're not black. And, and, and I, 
because of our, my culture and where I've come from, there's certain things I feel responsible to tell them. I need them to know that sinful men operate a particular way, so much so that they wanted to take people who have black skin and put them in chains. Hey, it's even worse than that. Sometimes they'll even do it to people who have the same skin color as them. <laughs> so <laughs> it's bad out there, right? But I want them to know the history and the backdrop so they're not surprised when, when they see stuff like Fauci and the pandemic type of push towards um, vaccinated, unvaccinated. We've been here before. Don't you forget that, right? right. Um, and so I, I feel responsible for that. What I don't feel responsible for is communicating to them how the rest of the world has defined what black is, right? I, that's not, here's, and so I've been thinking about like, what is, what is being black? And I was like, I, want, I don't know if even that idea and thinking through that, someone almost feel compromised because I don't know if white people have to go through that. I don't know if white people have to go through, what is it being white? Do they have to think about that? I know they think about cultures and other things like that, but but it feels like being black has a different separation in what the, how they're defining it and how they're moving the goalposts. Being Brazilian, it fits into a person of color, right? So what does that mean? But I feel like that. I'll tell you that we've we never felt less white than here in Idaho. Really? <laughs> but yeah, we, we, that's not something we ever really thought about. And you know, like the only so blackness is a is a weak but historically necessary concept. The only thing weaker ethnically then blackness is whiteness. Whiteness, like what What even is whiteness? I mean, I look at you and I see an Irishman and I don't even know if that's right, but that's what I see. I mean, being Irish, Scottish. that's a real thing. Even descendants of Irish, yeah. that's right, he's Scottish. Yeah, he was early. grumpy, I forgot that. One <laughs> well, of the grumpy my, Celts. My, my, I've got, I'm Scottish Farley's an Irish, Irish name, isn't it? Farley, yeah. Farley. Yeah, Farley's an Irish name. See, come on, yeah, okay. no, no, come Farley. on. So, no, so here's the thing, though. Okay. So Farley. So, so whatever answer he gives is going to illustrate that these are real ethnic things yeah. that whiteness can't do. So here's something else. Shannon is Irish. Well, so yeah. I don't know what I am. So Yeah. <laughs> covenantally Irish. Don't, don't say that. Either. Don't say that. <laughs> Go ahead. Jesus. So Farley can be Irish or Scottish because yeah. it either comes from O'Farley or it comes from Fairley. Oh. Mm. So we, we're the Fairleys of the clan of Ross. Fairly, of course, means the best looking family of the clan. Of course. So, okay. yeah, the Fairleys Fair, of Ross. Yeah. Um, so, but so, 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 he, he knows this yeah, stuff. Yeah, so I can track, I can track my genealogy right. back to the six. You don't know a lot of but that. But does anybody hit you up and be like, you ain't Irish, you ain't Scottish, <laughs> you ain't No, really. no. <laughs> but, 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 but he would, it, it would, he would run into that if he went to Ireland or Scotland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, sure. and so there are real questions of identity like that, even for like the sons of immigrants, et cetera. I like, I'm, I'm from a very mixed background and being Brazilian is as racial as being American is. It's, there's not an ethnicity that's attached with it, but I am more American. Y'all did have a lot of slaves, though. Y'all did have a we lot did. of slaves. We did. Yeah, there's plenty of blackness. Hell yeah. But, like, that's why you can have, you can have, uh, I mean, Giselle Bundchen, you know, Tom Brady's wife is a Brazilian. Right. Right. So it's just in their, you know, biggest Japanese population outside of, yeah. uh, of Japan, et cetera. But, like, I, I, am, I am definitely more American than I am Brazilian, but I, I feel Brazilian. I am Brazilian, and that creates difficulty. Even my own, my mom was raised in another country, not in the United States. And some of her siblings are citizens of that country. It just gets wild and questions of identity get really crazy. Um, not as crazy as if I were a black person who couldn't trace my line right. much beyond 1900, right? Right, right? And who's like, okay, well, uh, are, are you Igbo? No, no, I'm not Igbo. In fact, that's the wrong part of the continent. 
right? Okay, well, I've traced it down to a certain part of the continent. You know, what language do we speak? No idea, right? That's gone yeah. forever, right. which right. is why blackness has to exist. Does but, it? Well, maybe not. Because if and I'll tell you why it doesn't have to exist. Yeah, yeah. It's the same answer that I can take when I'm like, am I Jewish? Am I Brazilian? Am I American? I don't know. Um, I'm a Christian. Right. That's where I want to get to. See, that's where I want, because at the end of the day, if we start playing around with this blackness thing, all of a sudden they're going to lose the very thing they're trying to keep because how much whiteness is mixed in your blackness? Right. So how much of that do you have to identify with or is it only the color and pigment of your skin? What are we getting at here? And, oh, so, and I have to say, we have, like our, the, uh, the evangelical church in the United States has thrown away a lot of the cultural trappings that can make Western Christians a people. Right. So, I mean, you have Eastern Christians, you have Nestorians, yep. uh, you have also, but what, what we don't have, for example, as, as most evangelicals and most Protestants don't have a church calendar, don't have holidays right. that we respect, don't have ways we dress on certain days. So it's right? not connected to, it's not culture. connected to anything. That's right. You, you, you know, so the, 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 uh, AME does a decent job yeah. with that. Yeah. Okay. But because, you know, they, they didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right. but you, know, we, you have, That's so right. we have all of these people who are walking around saying, uh, I didn't even know you could wear a certain color on this Sunday, right? And and it's not important in the sense of like, uh, is my salvation locked into this? Yeah. No, but it is important. Like these are the things our people do. Some people wear a funny kind of hat, and other people wear a certain kind of color. Why do we do this? Because we're a people. Yeah. Well, this goes back to what Jason was talking about with loyalties, right? Mm -hmm. And this is this is where I was trying to get at. And I want you guys. I really want to take your take on this. I am thinking the thing that I want. I'm I'm the father. Um, is responsible for making sure that his family, his kids understand who they are, their identities and who they're attached to. And one of the most re freeing things for me growing up, how my kids are possibly going to end up growing up, except I hope to skip some of this um, with, I end up getting dumped right in the middle of the ghetto at eight or nine years old uh, after having mom and dad and growing up in a missionary culture and world from Canada all the way to Mexico and living and speaking Spanish and being in the world that way, I didn't have a dynamic of racial structures, right? It was, it was free. <laughs> I got to love everybody or hate everybody for whatever reason that they give me, right? Um, by the time I got dropped into the middle of the ghetto, there had been something different there in, that I hadn't seen culturally that identity was essential. I had traveled to Canada, been all over Canada and Mexico. They took me in, even though it was clear I was American and I was a black American, and yet they treated me like I was family. When I got to the hood, I had to earn everything. <laughs> there was no immediate adoption. It was baptism by fire. It was different, yeah. you know. Because the church is not a respect-based culture. I think uh, it may go a little beyond the church, although I, I, you know, we've you've you've kind of hinted at this a couple of times, where I definitely I have had this experience as well of you can be in a strange, far off land and you feel that kinship. It's mm -hmm. a very real thing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think there's some, there's another dynamic at, at play here, which is for you know, for the, he was accepted by people who looked at him and knew what he was. He was he was an American and secondarily okay black, but kind of kind of irrelevant in our context. He's an American, so we he, he'll never be one of us, which means we can show hospitality to him following certain rules. Interesting. The Interesting. black culture is in a constant identity crisis, and so you have to prove your blackness regardless of how you talk, of your skin color. If you come into a new situation, you must immediately show the blackness or 
learn the blackness so that you can be accepted because they're they're constantly fighting to prove their identity but that also means it's constantly shifting which is interesting because you know um i think you're right about that i think there's some like identity because are you gonna represent us like you know <laughs> my my dad had some weird experiences with that when he moved to the states because my my dad um you know so i mean we they, they, he grew up in brazil but uh, his 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 dad was a was a redneck with you know blue eyes and, and et cetera. But he went to the States one time as a kid and they tried to go to a lakeside beach in Memphis and they were not allowed. He remembered that. There's one thing he remembered about the States was that his mother and he were unclean mm. and not allowed onto this white beach. So my dad, my dad is ambiguous, but you know, I guess you look at his hair and you think, okay, I guess that's a black man. So one of the things that irritated my dad when we, when we moved to the States in the nineties was that he would walk into a room, like a business, you know, he was in business, okay, walk into a room, these are the people I'm going to talk to, <clears throat> and immediately he'd get, oh, great vibes from those two black dudes over there. <laughs> and then as soon as he opened his mouth, ooh, bad vibes from those two black dudes over there. <laughs> Which, he was, he was not even from the same continent. Right. You know, he, has this he had this clean, standard English, which they read as you're trying not to be one of us. Yeah. And he was just some dude who had walked in from Latin America trying to do some business. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to do with them. You can get that and he yet. had unmerited favor from the way he looked and then unmerited disgrace from the way he sounded. And it, it, it bugged the heck out of him. And that could have been, he could have won, like you said, that he could have been won over depending on what his positions were on some of this. They would have been like, well, we don't care <laughs> that after they figured it out. But right. it, by, by default. But he, you know, but he resented having to explain. But, you know, and, and, I am Latin American, but he doesn't yeah. have an accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and and so there is this, and I think some of the identity crisis is really interesting when you brought that up because I think you're right because in one sense or another, some of what was taken was stripped was that right, and what was found in the in the church was identity again, right, and their identity mm -hmm. was found in being like Israel, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just right? going to say that is is hey, we're a part of a people that have been through this before, right, right. Moses right. brought us out of slavery once before. Right. And so Jesus can bring us out of slavery now. And so some of the, the what's been sad is that the attack on Christianity inside of the black church has been the thing that has made way more of an identity crisis problem, mm -hmm. which that attack in the church has also been on men, particularly families, right? That if you look, we were talking about yep. this, some of the worst, we were trying to figure out what's the worst atrocities that's happened to the black community. Like if we had to pick two or three, <laughs> I can't remember what I said. Wait, that that undermine the family. <laughs> that undermine the yeah. family, yeah. But undermining the family because inside of the family, this is where I was getting to with my kids, I give them their identity, which I was saying earlier. You are attached to Abraham. You are attached to the children of Israel that got free. You're attached to the ones that came. You're attached to Joshua, Jesus. You're attached to Paul. You're attached to all these people. Yeah. This is your identity. Patrick and... Yes, Andrew and yeah, you know, and 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 not just that. You can start saying, and everybody else, even American history, that even were bad guys. Believe it or not, because of the blood of Jesus, you have a, an attachment to those guys. You know what I mean? And so your identity isn't what people are telling you it is. Your identity is this. Now, listen, we have traditions in this family that that honor those beautiful things about the gospel. So we're doing Advent right now. You know, is it black? It doesn't matter. That's what we doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It is now, <laughs> like, you know, whatever it is. But I want them to think because the idea inside of post-colonial theory, queer theory, we were talking about yeah. that critical theory, critical race theory is to absolutely detach you from history. 
give you a false new identity and tell you that's what it is and and pick at the traditions that originally handed down to you. And I think it's because the our traditions make it harder to to change our nature in that in in that false philosophical context, right? If if the goal is to gain power over nature such that you can transform it into what you want it to be. Mm-hmm, you can, you mm-hmm. can become as enlightenment, gods, right? right? The enlightenment. Yep. If that is the goal, then our traditions, the way we do things, our attachment to history, our attachment to a people, all of those things make it harder to it make people less malleable. Uh, I, I'd lived in a rural Good enough point. community in at, at a point in history that, when nationalism hadn't quite completely failed. So I remember the third grade that our elementary school choir sang proud to be an American and watching the older folks cry, right? Cry in joy at, at their identity Mm. and their pride in being an American, right? That nationalism was an attempt to, to give that identity via a nation state. You know, we're a people. And so, it uprooted fatherhood and parenthood and responsibility, right? And gave that all to all, the state. All to the state, right? So, um, you know, my wife and I were talking about this recently. Uh, you read, you know, Jane Austen, and the families are putting on dances for all of the kids in the neighborhood to meet and marry. Now we expect the school, the government school, to do that on our behalf, all right? Families don't do that. And you think, when did that happen? And so I did a little bit of research. And it, um, in 1920, you know, in 1915, 1920, you've still got families putting on dances in 1950. And so I haven't, it, you, the, somewhere the, in there, the schools yeah. are doing it. So somewhere between the 20s, and the which makes sense. Cause it's not going to happen instantaneously. Right. And old Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. I'm sure he's yeah. been excoriated many times <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> not as much as Andrew Jackson, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But you, you have the, so that somewhere in there you have the state taking over the the that role of making sure our kids get married right somewhere in there so really? um and then you have this really significant nationalism that grows up especially after world war 2 um that really gives multiple generations their most fundamental identity mm. right right and, and it, it becomes, I mean, it's education belongs to the state. Everything belongs to the state. And the state then begins to, of course, co-opt everything. So, I mean, yeah. the, the words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance were added to specifically say we're fighting commies. Like, right. this is the current yeah. mission. This is who we are. This, this is what fine. we're about. We're fighting commies. We're going to say under God. Yeah. yeah, we were commies still when we were doing that. Yeah, I actually had a shocking experience. I've sort of, I guess, been in in a, in a bubble a little bit for too long as far as like a bubble, you know, within the United States. Um, I, I, I went to a school for a, a competition and um, they didn't do the national anthem, which is something I hate, by the way, doing national. It's not the country playing another country. Like if the United States <laughs> is playing Canada, play the national anthem. Right, right, if right. Podunk High is playing West Podunk High, just get to the game. Anyway, they didn't do the national anthem, but they did do the pledge. And like everyone turned and looked, looked at the at the flag and put their hands over their heart. I don't know. And uh, and then the guy, like you could tell they were used to this routine because then the guy goes, ready? Pledge. <laughs> and everyone started 
pledging. Like it's, it, it was a verb. It was a real thing. They pledged and he gave the command pledge. And I, it just blew my mind. And, and I sort of remembered back when I was young and still recently arrived in the States that this was a thing. Yeah. I remember that in the nineties, people behaved this way and I thought it was normal. I mean, normal for Americans, yeah. but now I've been around all these Americans who would laugh at that. Um, but yeah, maybe you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, I love the pledge of allegiance. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pledge allegiance to a flag or to a Republic. I think oh, <laughs> at least not an indivisible. I was going to say, at least not yeah. that part, but I do want to say that there is something to being, and I want to remember this, there's something to being a part of Israel as a nation too. Right, I want to say like is you had all of it was wrapped in one thing with Israel, so yeah. it's not as oh, clean. being American is awesome. Right. Yeah, I just, just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. That I, okay, good. Yeah. I just want to make sure you got. I'm that proud out. to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. <laughs> right. That's part of the problem. As soon as we hit the rhetoric, but as long as no one, no one talks. Americans, I like it when you are silent. <laughs> you need to get more wisdom about how to work through that. But I think the the reason though is when if you're trying to derive your identity from being an American. The shoulders of America are not strong enough to carry that, right? And America, I, I mean, we we want to blame communism for taking down as America. it relates to your fundamental yeah. identity, fundamental, yeah, identity, fundamental right? identity. The reason that America is rubble is because we tried to let we tried to put our fundamental identity on it, yep. and we crushed it. Right, exactly. And, and right. communism comes in and says, "I'll put it back together." Right? <laughs> hey, right. you want you want that identity? Yeah. I got something for you. I just can't bear up Absolutely. And the rhetoric has gotten carried away, right? So because we asked the state to to be this thing for us, this God, basically, yeah. all the talk revolves around that, and it's all it, it is all talking about our country the way you would talk the, about God or your husband. This right. goes back to enlightenment again. It's gotten back to individualistic yep. thinking as well as. The state being both church and state, it wrapped in yeah. one. But you yeah. know, if you go back to the nineteenth century, you read you re, you read the poetry, you listen to the songs. Some of it may be jingoistic, but people actually talk about their nation in a different way. Right, right. Even when they're crazy yeah. status like Carl Sandburg or yeah. you know, well, and actually that, that's a good point. But that's why I was going when you talked about ethnos, people talked about their ethnicity as their state. Like that, their nation was yeah. their ethnicity. What's your ethnicity? Right. I'm yeah. an American, right? And so that's that's and so Which that's is what, weird. Like you know, we, we have this. You know, uh, Americans carry an extra burden in having a conceptual state. Yeah, right. The country right. is more an idea than it is genetic. Well, give it a second. <laughs> they tried to try. Yeah, I think you were. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's a country where you can be Italian and be American, right? Which but, is, but, but, but it's. It is trying to, uh, so I'm just putting this together right now, but I think it's trying to do, it's trying to be Christendom. That's right. 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 Well, yeah. yeah. America is an attempt to codify Christendom. Well, yeah, the, the huddled masses, mean, right? Yeah. There's a lot that the United States is doing that in is a, the church's job. Excuse yeah. me. In, in original state, is that what you mean? In its original intent, what America was, what they was trying to do? What I think it evolved right pretty pretty quickly, as in within a hundred years. I don't yeah. think that was the original. It wasn't intent. the original intent because no. they didn't talk about it that way. And the, I mean, you you read the Federalist Papers, anti-Federalist yeah, Papers. Yeah. There, that's not even a part of the debate, right? That, um, but but by the time you get to Abraham Lincoln, who Carl Sandburg wrote a seven volume, oh, yeah. seven volume biography of Abraham Lincoln, 
establishing a lot of the mythological stories about Lincoln. Carl Sandburg did that because he was a nut job nationalist. Good poet. Yeah. Nut job nationalist. Um, the because no biography needs seven volumes. No, I mean he he was, but, but he was hagiographizing. Yeah, the guy, he was right. Yeah. He's creating so, a pantheon, creating a, a a religion. Yeah. So you you have an attempt to transform America into what Christen to function the way Christendom did because you know, mm-hmm. you look at in, in Europe the uh, the you know in the Middle Ages they didn't talk about I mean they they. They had ethnicities, but they didn't talk about their their devotion to being a German as if it was an identity thing. And and I and I've mentioned this before. I mean, they the, you would have royal families marrying people of different royal families, and it, all it ha- all they had to be was royal. I mean, you even have African princesses marrying into European royal families because. You're royal. We're royal. That's actually that was identity, identity, right? It's, so, so uh, and, and you're, are you looking for a poem? Uh, I kind of I was actually. Okay, yes. I thought so. I might if you find it. Let me know. All right. um, here's what I was thinking about. Here's what I want to maybe end it. Um, as as this whole, I feel like the question itself is rooted in an ideology that has us thinking wrongly about culture, identity. It's asking the wrong question. Yeah. It's up. The whole thing is to pick at normacy, yes. metaphysical realities, and postmodernism, and to flip them upside down on its head. Which is why these things don't really have definitions. When you go to postcolonial theory, it doesn't have a definition. Right. Ultimately, and the reason it's malleable. The reason is so they can't nail. It can't be nailed down to be fought against. When you look at queer theory, it's not definable. For the very purpose that it's just there to antagonize and pick and destroy the system. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at critical race theory, oh, where's the biggest problem? Race? How do we pick at this? I'm sure there's some pissed people about this. Hey, your great, great, great grandpa, you want to be victim through proxy? We can help you with that. You know, <laughs> like it's just made to pick at. And so the question somewhat is, is challenging. But I want I think identity still is important. Right. The identity is still important. When we talk about, um, you know, with my kids, I know they're going to deal with black. I want them to understand how irrelevant it is. You are black just because you are. God made you that way. That is not an identity you should ever have to struggle to get. And there are some cultural tropes within side of black people's inside of black culture that are there. But they are so diverse. It's not monolithic. Being black is not a monolithic thing, and that's one of the things that I feel is really racist about this is that everybody's trying to teach us that it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Why and can't we burden. be like white people in that? What a burden. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And then, you know, Africans come over to this country, and they have to carry that burden, too. Like, <laughs> right. Like, whoa. Right. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. One so, of the things I loved about Atlanta, the show, yeah. was oh, man, what a how good show. it was so good. And they, how they all be like, ah, he's Nigerian. And they'd be like, oh, oh. everybody's <laughs> Nigerian. So I was like, man, that that is so it's I was like, I'm sure that's true. Oh, there's right? some, there's I'm some. sure that's true. But I have not ever heard of that. That doesn't make the national <laughs> level normally. Well, we, we all know internally that with a lot of the Africans, Nigerians particularly, but the Africans come over here, and especially Jamaicans and they, the, the the black Americans, we automatically have problems. <laughs> yeah. Because some of, the, some of them... That's the, that's the, the Wu-Tang Chronicles. It's y- the Jamaicans. Yeah, they yeah. The the Jama- yeah, yeah. It's so funny. And the, part of the problem is, is that... Black Americans, in one way or another, have forgotten the face of their fathers. Jamaicans, Africans, yeah. it's like, 
if we had the kind of liberty, the freedoms that y'all have, that y'all are squandering, we clean up. Ain't no need to be complaining. Yeah, that, that's a that's a fundamental problem of blackness is that that being Jamaican, even though Jamaica was also a, a slave culture, is a real thing. Yeah, being Jamaican is a real thing, mostly because everybody on that island is black. Right, right, right. right. And in, in, in Africa, well, being Nigerian may be relatively new, but being Igbo is a thing. And I know my father and my grandfather and his father. The, 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 it seems to me that like the, the great burden of blackness is that you, American blackness, is you can't escape it, but it's not real. So you're being haunted by a ghost all the time. You can tell. It's undefinable. Is that what you're saying? You ultimately, can't define it. It's right. not a reality. And as Americans, we try to do that to people all the time. We say that people are Mexican just because they look vaguely Hispanic, right? Like Mexican, you know, in that sense, Mexican becomes unreal as well. It doesn't mean I'm a citizen of Mexico. But if we can tell Christians, listen, okay, well, if you're a Russian Christian, the most important thing about you is that you're a Christian. If you are a Swedish Christian, if you are an Egyptian Christian, the most important thing about you is that you're a Christian. That can't be taken away from you. But with, you know, it's, we, you have a very solid idea, both of what being Egyptian and being a Christian is. And when they come into conflict, you choose, I am a Christian. But what is blackness? It keeps wriggling away, and I can never na nail it down. It's almost a postmodern structure, to be honest with you, because this is really funny. At, at one point or another, you got to remember, they call Larry Elder the new face of white supremacy. Right. That didn't come from white people. Yeah, right. <laughs> that came from black people that stripped him of part of his who he looks like, right? He's a black guy. They just stripped it from him. The problem for me is that it's whatever it is, it's not an identity that I'm born with because they can take it away from me. Mm. I think it's I'm worse saying? than that. I think it's worse than that. I think it's an identity that you're born with that can be taken away. <laughs> yeah. No. That, that's, the <laughs> that's, a, that's exactly right, which is like your punishment, you're out of here, buddy. Yeah. And so now you're walking away without a soul. Right. So, like, yeah. but but that is that to me has always been the problem. If it is what it is, I, I'm gonna always be an American. I can't escape that. That's a reality that's true. But I can't always be a black American, according to these some of these guys. One of those is a reality that can never be taken away. Now I can be, you know, but the other one. And so, I, and the truth is, is like you. That's not something. And the other thing. And then we can. You got your poem. Uh, no, no. Okay. That's okay. What I mean. But and the other thing is this. There, it wasn't going to be one of my poems, by the way. Oh, well, Talking in that about, case. Yeah. But the other thing is that with the contribution of slavery to America, black America, post-slavery, antebellum era, black America, all the way up to the late 1800s to where we are now, it is too intertwined with American history and culture to try and segregate me from Americanism. American history is my history right it is my culture now we might have little packs and sex inside of it but it's too intertwined to try and figure out which is mine and which is yours it's it's ours <laughs> you know it's it's in the collective so you i don't like the segregation well uh you're black so this is where you belong over here and i, I don't buy into that and i don't want my kids to buy in that because that's not an identity that should be separated into those type of categories. And so I don't, but again, part of it is like, I feel like I'm having the conversation that they want me to have. The conversation they don't want me to have is where I'm tying my kids' loyalty to. My kids' loyalty is not tied to the fact of the color of their skin. 
right? That is not a loyalty they're tied to because even inside of Judaism, you can look. That's that's something that for the most part you might have been born a Jew, but you ain't one inwardly. That's a reality that goes transcends the actual birthright, right? And that's where I want their identity to be found is you have the mark because really the only two identities are Jew and Gentile. Even to this day, that's really the only two identities at the end of the day. That because and those are ones that God made, right? And so you want to be one inwardly. <laughs> Jason, your head is spinning. Well, I'm thinking though that, and I don't want, and I don't, and I don't want to miss out on some of the beautiful things that a, a people group that I belong to have gone through and created. Because of the type of pressure that they've put under. I'm not giving up any one of those things, right? I don't want to give up any of those realities. But that's but you you don't lose any of that when you understand that the church that all of that is the inheritance of the church. Right? That all that glory is all church of glory. All that glory is church glory. That there that's and, right. and um any glory that's not yet church glory are job is to go get it and bring it in and make it church glory. Yeah, right? I, I think it's really important not to say that the only two peoples who have ever existed have been the Jews and the Gentiles. The only two peoples who have ever existed have been God's people and not God's people. That's what I mean. Ami and lo Ami. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying with that. Well, I mean, there's a slight... No, that's what I'm saying with that. I'm saying that they're the only. I feel like you didn't say that, but okay. no, no, no. I'm saying the only two. Adam's race and Christ's race. Yes. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the same yeah. thing. And so, like when Paul is talking about, the, a lot of people would hear what you just said and not say that. Oh, the same okay. Thing. Well, let me make this clear. When Paul is making, I'm pulling this yeah. in the way Paul is yeah. making the distinction between like those people who are trying to oppress you. They ain't really the real Jews. Yeah, they don't have the root of the matter. <laughs> they don't have the root of the matter, so they're not. They're not in. Right. Right. And so he They've only makes a distinction, and he exactly, and he makes that distinction for the Gentiles. That this is the baptism is the thing that's brought you into this relationship. So you're the real Jew. Yeah. Right. And so I just want that's that's what I'm trying to make the yeah. distinction. Yeah. of. Yeah. And but th- this is where this is where I think the. And you weren't born a Jew, but you're a real Jew. <laughs> anyway, just make that this is where I think that the church, though, in America um, struggles is because we we don't live as if we are a people. We don't have uh, a music we don't have a, a, a language. We yep. don't have. You, I know Joffrey's going to love that. He's like, yeah, you we, better say it. We don't, we don't have a calendar. Have, we don't have a calendar, <laughs> right? We don't have. like well, We don't even have a concept of covenant. We have people uh-huh. who are covenantal theologically, but then you suggest that we would be on the hook in God's judgment for slavery or abortion, and they flip out. <laughs> so, well, yeah. are, you, are you a part of this people or not? I just want you to know, Presbyterians, PCA, and SBC have already apologized for that, and they've asked for repentance, so we good. Oh, on the abortion thing, too? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. The <laughs> so now everybody's flipping out. I just wish they'd stop asking for repentance on it. They just keep yeah, doing yeah. it every <laughs> event. Hey, guys, what should we do this year? I don't know. Are we repenting yeah. for slavery? <laughs> yeah. But but I do but I do think that... Um, that w- there's no way we we can't there's nothing to bring people into there's not a culture to bring people into and so they we because we're i mean what are we we're making republicans maybe i mean yeah. at how's what, that working out for yeah, us that's, um you know or or libertarians maybe or like we're but but our identity is derived i think way too much from our political affiliations yeah and not enough and so be, so we don't 
we can't, we, we tell people put off the world and then put on Christ. And they're like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to put off the world. Uh, what are the things I put what on? What are the things I put on? And you're like, oh, sorry, dude. Well, I'll tell you, it's not underwear. music because we're always making new here. music. You know, Amazing Grace is just as good as the chorus some kid wrote you know, in the, in the back room half an hour ago, (laughs) just as good. Yeah. Right. And it's not, okay. Well, what, what are we, what are we talking about? What quality are we talking about? One of the qualities we need to talk about is the things that bring us together, that give us a culture. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's, I'm sorry, Jason, were you going to say something? Well, we, the, cause if you look at, at a, at what makes a people group, a people group, it's language, music, clothing, calendar, um, stories they tell you know the the mythopoetic s- stories they tell who the, the the stories that make us us you know those yeah. Are stories. Yeah. we don't we don't have it we've lost it right at um, interesting and so what everybody's doing is filling that gap with another culture with another and, culture yeah and then bringing yeah. that into and christendom because we ha- we are uh, our we subcultures are, yeah subcultures but but Modernism, um, one of the errors that was made in modernism by the church was to say, well, what are the fundamentals? The fundamentals are the things that have to do only with eternal salvation. Everything else is up for grabs we'll, as long as we hold on to the fundamentals. And then we define the, fun, you know, the fundamentals when they were written. It was like you know a 12-volume set. These are our fundamentals. The fundamentalists uh, uh, ascribe to, and now it's down to like something that can. Yeah, it's, on the it's Christianism, yeah, Christian, right? Yeah. And it's not the it's not the stories of the people. Mm. So you know, one of the things we really lack is well, we can tell the story in a detached form because we're all we're all latent dispensationalists. We can tell the story of how God miraculously brought the people of Israel across the Red Sea. You know what story no one ever tells is how God brought us across the Red Sea. That's right. That's yeah. 1 Corinthians 10, yeah. right? Like, yeah, that's that's yeah. right. Because Paul is in the end that is saying, don't be like your forefathers, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't be like them because God will do the same thing to you that he would do with them because they complained. And that don't be like your forefathers is directed, by the way, at a mixed congregation. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. oh it's bars. Totally. Okay, okay. It, I see what you did, dude. So I, th- it's, this is one of those things that it, my wife sometimes drives her crazy because people say, oh, how'd you become a Christian? And I'll say, well, so St. Patrick was sent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like to tell the story of St. Boniface came to my people when when uh, nobody else would and you know he cuz he wanted to prove that God could plow fields of iron you know and cuz that um and, and uh, my wife's like you know you know that's not what they meant ask. yeah <laughs> but you know what but, though? but that's actually what they're really asking they don't know they what don't, they're asking they don't yeah. know that's what they're really asking yeah uh, they're asking cuz you know uh because the the you know what I I was you know a fuzzy headed punk rock atheist kid that that God snags through a member of my soccer team um, and the promise of roller skating you know like hey yeah, you want to yeah. come roller skating yeah yeah with my church um, <laughs> <laughs> like that, that was the that was the worm on the hook that yeah. God used and I was like I do like roller skating you know <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> you know, especially and it's free. it's free. yeah it's, I was paying for it and I love that uh, you. you 
So took my kids roller skating, and they didn't do a couple skate. I was like, what is wrong? You've got a bunch of junior high kids in the here. The weird thing is that you took your, your kids roller skating, and they didn't have a vision of the Holy Spirit. Like, <laughs> apparently <laughs> you had. <laughs> if I take my kids skating, and they do a couple skates, somebody getting rammed. I'm just telling you right now, I'm ramming. They're too young to be on hold hands and skating like I was doing that one That's I know. I was doing that, too. But <laughs> it's such an important. I mean, this, is what, this is what we need to talk about next time. How to... Raise teenagers. Hey, hey, my daughter's in here. Oh, a teenager. Yeah, the teenagers, teenagers through their first crush. I oh think, yeah, I think we need to spend an entire episode talking about that. Ew. Wow, because I think it's. I think that's where we are. Hey, I was plug your ears. Our shame. No, I'm just joking. Our shame. Um, m- turns us into bad parents. I know, agree with when, that in those moments. But anyway, the um, when we start talking about the stories of our people, you know, my, my boys, middle names are St. Patrick and St. Boniface that hold on. Saint is in Saint, there. Yeah. ST period. I wanted punctuation marks on their birth certificates. Like I told, I warned my wife, like, Hey, just so you know, when we have boys, they will have punctuation marks on their birth certificates. Oh, that's, yeah. That's that's amazing. Um, but because I, I want, I want every time they, you know, have to fill their full name out to be reminded of their, yeah, mm, uh, they're, of their they're, people, like yeah, who yeah. you know, and come from, yeah, um, and you, um, the those men risked everything because they heard there were souls up there. And let's be honest, though, mm. genetically, that's almost as random a choice as choosing somebody else. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but but it's a story of God's people. That, it's the story that makes it a people. The, it's the story, it's not that's the genes. Important. Not yeah. the genes. Not. You want to hear a, a limerick about Saint Boniface? Oh yes, I do. In the land of Woden and Thor came a man who was linked evermore to two pieces of wood. His name was Duguid, and his story is Yule time lore. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. It takes people to know the history of that. Even <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, that was just for yeah. Jason. If you heard that, guys. Then just don't worry your pretty little heads about it. We're at an hour and forty minutes, and you yeah. have to go. Uh, Are well, you good? Oh, I'm good because the okay finish, basketball fin- game guy. Okay, finish canceled. finish your thing. I, I, so I love this. Yeah, so, this is for me. Um, <laughs> that and this is where you know when when people start talking about um, needing representation in movies, needing representation on television, unless somebody looks like me, you know. Um, yeah. Then, yep, yep. then I can't identify with them. That's a that's just a failure of your imagination. I'm sorry. Like I just watched the Wu Tang Chronicles to wonderful enjoyment because I understand how RZA feels as a disgruntled poet. Mm. Right. Wait. Mm. Are you saying that disgruntled poets are people too? <laughs> yes. Disgruntled poet. Right. The whole and I'm he, interesting. I don't, I don't look like him. I don't sound like him. Um, and if postmodern is true, why can't you make those distinctions? Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. But but uh, but we have bought into somehow um, this this uh, understanding that that looking like each other is the thing that makes us like each other. Right. That that mm. that somehow that 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 those biological distinctions are the things that make us similar human beings right and the church constantly caves to that it is so dismaying that i live in a far more racist time than i grew up in right that makes me so sad i mean i grew up i so um i'm really this is one of the places where i'm really grateful for my parents right that that 
they had a um, an alarm bell that went off whenever there was anything that even smelled like racism. And they were like, Mm-mm, we not, we're not like that here. Right. Mm. That um, even we weren't even allowed to say the word gypped uh, mm. because it comes from gypsy. Right. And they were like, mm, no, that's a that's a uh, derogatory racist remark. Yeah. We don't talk like that. Like Welch. Mm. really i mean because the only reason welsh is a word is that welsh people are thieves (laughs) we know that they go back on their promises (laughs) what um so like uh indian giver i got in big trouble for saying indian Uh giver once um things like like uh, now if you are not the the alarm bells go the other direction yes that um it's far more racist time now than it was when I was growing up. Um, and yeah, and that's really sad. And if you don't talk racistly, you mentioned the alarm bells, you don't talk racistly, then your, your wrist is slapped. <laughs> right. Really? Yeah. Like, right, you know, right. Your, your career is adjusted for you. <laughs> so I, uh, um, it, you know, it's, it's such a weird, it, the, the people that act the way our culture is acting right now throughout history always the bad guys yes that's part of the story that we don't get which has been hard for me no one ever puts themselves into a movie yeah well and i think too one of the one of the interesting rejections has been and this is what i think was i'm gonna get in trouble for saying this some of the problems with what happened after the civil rights movement was kind of inherent in this which is the idea of incremental movement isn't satisfiable anymore because we got to have it and we got to have it now. I think that's a mistake. I, I think yeah. the idea that, okay, so I, I'm, I'm with certain things being a reality. Some things need to be a reality, but with the civil rights movement, when uh, the vote, we already had rights to vote. <laughs> we had a civil rights act before that. Uh, uh, what was it? 90 years before that, we actually already had a civil rights act that was in place. The question that the issue should have been enforce that law <laughs> that was yeah. already in place. Instead, what we got with the civil rights movement ultimately was um, uh, uh, what do they uh, what do they call it? Oh, I have have the word and I lost it just that quick. Um, uh, where you have to have a black guy on if you have so many white oh, guys. affirmative action. affirmative action. Yeah. Those kind of legislations, those type of laws, created a domino effect that went right past the legislative movement. All the legislation was was held up. None of that stuff passed the, the laws that we're supposed to have to check things and go through it because we had to have it right now. This is put into place and it just created a domino effect all the way through our legal system that became ultimately at the end of the day what's hanging us out to dry as it relates to COVID, right? As it relates to the um, the the new Civil Rights Act inside of the homosexual movement, what do they call that? Um, uh, they want to amend the Civil Rights Act that they're trying to do right now with homosexuality. Um, no, I don't read the paper. Oh, I was hoping you, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> just, just say it again. So there is a, there is a, I see it in my head, and be mad when I, at the end of this one, I can't remember. Wait, well, but there's there's a legislation to try and amend the Civil Rights Act to to put sex and gender inside uh, of yeah, that with yeah, it, yeah. which is really interesting because inside the Civil Rights Act, it already was gutted that way, but now they're trying to. Um, uh, uh, but make it way more homosexual focus and base. The reason we got that though is because there is a process that we need to go about doing things or enforcing that we could enforce from the beginning of time. Like 
But instead, it was this this grab, and then like I'm happy for it. I'm happy that we see the right way to to be treating human beings. But how we go about making sure that we don't tear down another fence in the process of it putting this one up is super important. Yeah. Well, and, and, go ahead. Well, we we just asked the state to, to do too much for us. I mean, right. I'm, I, you know, right. hey, I, I'm down with the idea of there being amendments to the Constitution, uh, but you know, Canada's Constitution is 40 years old and that's not some third world dictatorship it's not 40 years old that's all our our constitution has been around a long time the more things get played with and worked over and around the less respected it's going to be that, right yeah. the, the, the it's basically meaningless at this point and so you know it, an, an act like that would basically mean that half of the country would say i don't care about the constitution anymore and it'd be the half that had been defending it 20 years before. And, and, and there's, oh, I'm sorry, Jason. But but I think some of it, though, is because we, we're we not thinking in a human way about each other. We're not acting as if we're dealing right. with humans that are historical creatures. <coughs> but, um, so we're trying to, we're, we're saying, well, what's the ideal? We need to impose that in this moment. And what who has enough power of imposition, right? Who can, who can, who has the coercive power? Well, the state does, and it's not enough to get just Texas to do it or just New Hampshire. We have to actually get the federal government to do it because they're at the very top, mm-hmm. and the power that's at the very top is the one that defines what the, the nature of everything. <laughs> it isn't like right. that again. That is that's Hegel. Yeah. That is Hegelian. Yeah. That, that's um, it, where the, with the job of the state is to bring the truth of spirit you know, with a capital S to pe- uh, into the world, right? So bring the ideal, um, sometimes he called it, bring idea right, with a capital I to pass in the world. That's the job of the state, right? That is, that's a, that is uh, an enlightenment way of thinking that doesn't think about people as people anymore. Right? When you say, well... Our constitution is old, and so it should be respected. That argument doesn't even yeah. hold anything anymore, right? If you say, well, our constitution is actually a codification of laws that go all the way back to the 800s, <laughs> right? So? Yeah, this is, and this is... This is post-colonial it's, theory. Yeah, it's post-colonial theory. Yeah. Yeah, this is even queer theory. Yeah. Um, and But what's, what drives me nuts is people can't tell the difference between conservatism and and um and the uh uh libertarian libertarianism which is hegelian mm. at least libertarianism is hegelian it is yeah right mm. it, it's not conserv it's not conservatism it's not anymore. christian it's not christian i'll tell you that right. much yeah. right because they, they're trying to uh because so I had a, a really interesting conversation where somebody was like, oh, I'm going hunting and you know, I just wish that they wouldn't make me get a hunting license right? because that's just the state's overreach. And you say, well, oh, man, how long have hunting licenses been around? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm, you know. So you don't think they've maybe been around since the 800s? That's how long hunting licenses have been around, right? Because they're from the book of Deuteronomy. Right. That's where hunting licenses come from. Right. That the, um, to to say to to say you have three tags. Right. For 
to, you, because that the size of your family, you can have three deer. Um, because the deer are the commonwealth of all man of of the whole people group. We're the kings. What well, the so the in the high Middle Ages, that was one of the things that went wrong. Was that the kings said, "Well, no, they're all my deer." Right. That's right. what I'm saying. In America, we're the, we're the kings. Well, even but even in England, before um, the 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 deer were considered commonwealth, the fish were considered part of the the commonwealth right, right, right. of the whole people. Right. And so when the kings started saying. Hey, you're poaching my deer. Yep. Um, the people are like, the people oh, were no. like nope, no, 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 that's not. How, that's they, what that, I'm trying to say. That's how yeah. you get revolutions. I mean, revolutions in quotes. The king is actually the one that's revolting against the, the, the way that it is. The right? law itself. And so, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I'm, just, I'm not sure that. You, sorry. My my point is that the the way that America has decided to operate is that the Commonwealth, in a sense, like yeah, but we're the kings. Right. Everybody, in that, a sense, yeah. has a right to that. Yeah, because that, of how we've set it up. Right, exactly. Every, everybody has a right, but you don't have a right to all the deer. Right, right, right. right. So you have a right to a certain number of the yeah, deer. Yeah, you're responsible right? yeah, for yeah, your neighbor, so, too, in one sense. Yeah. And, um, and so you you get a license to go hunt because um, you, you get, you're, the, the upkeep of all of it is all of ours responsibility. And if you're going to go get a deer, then you're going to go get one of the deer is the Commonwealth, but you don't get all the deer. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be nice if that actually were the rationale. You know, I was going to say, this thank guy's you. making arguments that, from antiquity. And I all like, that. Like, I like what you're saying. I just don't yeah. like that. That's not the intent I, I, of what they're I, doing. I, I, I do think it's important to, to bring up that, you know, it, we can't just live by these, you know, these just break off principles. We need to learn biblically. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, anarchists and libertarians, which, you know, those are terms that I often end up applying to myself depending on the conversation, <laughs> but anarchists and libertarians aren't Christians. Christians shut down whorehouses. Right. And Come if on, I'm man. strong enough to take away everyone's guns and kill all the deer myself, I am doing an injustice. Right? <laughs> Even if I'm living out the libertarian Masculine fantasy, right? Right. You know, so we have to live biblically. Yeah. And within that, I could say, well, I'm, I, I am a bit of an anarchist. Com- compared to, uh, yeah, I, uh, so just because sometimes somebody says, well, on this issue, you're you're sounding like a libertarian, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So you end up hanging out with the libertarians because you're like, yeah, I I think everybody should be allowed to have guns. Yeah. Okay. So there I am. I'm a libertarian. What did you say was we need to talk about last time? You said next time we need to talk about. Oh, you're done. Yeah. Raising. Yeah. How is that a. Raisin. Okay. I want, I want you to answer this and then we got to go. Uh, how is that inside the context of Christian humanism, metaphysics, post millennialism? So. <laughs> so. Uh, when you have. When, when you're re- and part of this is just because we're having this conversation where we're trying to say how do we give an identity to our kids we need to not we need to give them an identity in a world that has an identity that the world that they look at they know is deriving its identity from God right and so the moment that they um, you know they hit puberty and they look over at uh, your your son or your, looks over at a, a girl and is like, mm, she smells good. She's curvy. I want one. Yeah. Right. That she that that your that your son realizes that she 
is downstream from the only thing that really fulfills him, which is God. She's a gift from God. All of that beauty is a window through which he should be seeing mm. God, just like the rest of the world. Right? That this whole world is haunted by the beauty of God, and that that's the the world that he lives in is not um, is uh, is not the world of you know the Big Bang Theory, um, the TV show. Uh, uh, and the the Big Bang Theory itself, but the you know the Big Bang Theory is a TV show in which it's a group of nerdy guys that are just trying to get laid, mm-hmm. and because and it, they they're because they think they're just a collection of molecules. Right? They're right, a bunch right. of scientists that think they're a collection of mole- molecules, and so you, um, it's not o- it's not okay to be rapey, and so instead they're really lame dudes waiting around for girls to make the first move right? so that they can be raped. So yeah, exactly. When they wow. actually, they actually we should just do an episode about what rape <laughs> is. Wow. Yeah. I've got some controversial <laughs> views to share, <laughs> but, the, but that, that you're raising teenagers, yeah. um, the way that you raise teenagers, uh, to navigate, um, their first crush to navigate, you know, their desires for the opposite sex or their, or, their fear of the opposite sex, all of that, all of that, that is the, if, <laughs> if you can't understand how to do that in a way that points them to God, then good luck with the rest of it. Cause that's the easiest part. Well, we went from garden, the garden of Eden to now how you, I don't know, um, Mani- how you help manicure your fruit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, bro, Joffrey, I appreciate you coming in and hanging it's with us. It's been him, a lot man. of fun. Thank I you. I thank you, bro, tolerating us through this. <laughs> oh, dude, so good. <laughs> it's great. <laughs>